Hi, I'm Phil Morehart, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decimal Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We have a great show lined up, a fascinating show lined up this month. It's a timely apropos show. Uh, today, we're going to look at the fake news phenomenon. And you know, it's, it's honestly, it's kind of sad that we even have to do a show such as this. Uh, that phrase, fake news, um, it's become ubiquitous. It's uh, used today to describe news created deliberately to, de- to deceive us or by other people to dismiss real news and facts that might not fit their agenda. Uh, it's everywhere. Fake news. We see it in ridiculous social media posts or not-so-ridiculous, shrewdly crafted feature stories designed to spread misinformation. Fake news. It's, uh, it's a trademark saying for our, for our own president, who's quick to scream it whenever another shoe drops about his flailing administration. Fake news. It's everywhere. But it's not new, though. Fake news has deep roots and stretches all the way back to the ancient world. Ramses the Great spread fake news stories, proclaiming victory at the Battle of Gilgamesh, when in fact, fact it was a, a stalemate battle. Uh, Octavian stoked misinformation about Mark Anthony, calling him a puppet of the Egypt. Rumors were spread about early Christians, accusing them of cannibalism and other atrocities. Fake news has roots in the news stories that Ben Franklin wrote about murderous Native Americans working for King George. He wrote these to sway public opinion during the American Revolution. Fake news has roots in the Great Moon Hoax of 1835 and Orson Welles' War of the World radio show from 1938. Fake news is cousin to yellow journalism political propaganda, and it's a way, way distant relative of uh, satire. Fake news, it isn't new, but it's being employed today in new ways. Ways that are becoming increasingly more deceptive and nefarious. Social media has given fake news new life, and differentiating between lies and the truth is becoming more and more difficult. So today... On the Dewey Decimal Podcast, we're going to look at fake news from a variety of perspectives. First, I speak with Joanna Burkhart. She's professor and director of the University of Rhode Island Branch Libraries and collection development officer for the university libraries there. And she's also an expert in fake news. I spoke with Joanna about the history of fake news, how and why it's become such a presence in today's media landscape, and how what we can do, what the library world can do to fight it. Next, Dewey Decibel senior game show correspondent Terry Denkowski quizzes librarians at the 2017 ALA annual conference in Chicago on fake news headlines and talks to them about fake news awareness at their libraries. And finally, I talked to Marnie Shore. Marnie is managing editor of The Onion. She sat down with me here at Dewey Decibel headquarters in Chicago to discuss what goes into creating The Onion's very specific brand of fake news, the role of comedy and truth-telling, and much more. But first, a word from a sponsor. How can you transform library data into impactful services? What feature do users value the most when evaluating information sources? Which were the most popular interlibrary loan titles for the last five years? What does S.R. Ranganathan, the father of modern library science, have to say about shyness? All of these questions have been explored on the OCLC Next blog. So many libraries operate on behalf of a very local, specific audience. Whether you're at a public library serving one city or town, or an academic library taking care of your students and faculty, you best understand your users' needs. But that can be a challenge when it comes to synthesizing trends among libraries of different types, sizes, and countries. That's where OCLC Next comes in. Because of OCLC's global reach, staff and member leaders from many disciplines are exposed to developments and ideas that reach across the entire library environment. They wrap their thoughts into quick, compact posts in order to share knowledge from the world's libraries with you. 
Check out oc.lc next to read the latest post or subscribe to a weekly email. This past June at the 2017 ALA Annual Conference and Exhibition in Chicago, Joanna Burkhart, as I mentioned, she's a professor and director of the University of Rhode Island Branch Libraries and Collection Development Officer for their university libraries, uh, she led a standing room only talk on fake news, its history, the psychology behind it, and how we as librarians can help fight it. The size of the crowd that afternoon is, is testament to the impact that fake news is having on all of us. And it's also a testament to Joanna's expertise. She's the author of Teaching Information Literacy Reframe, 50-plus framework-based exercises for creating information literate learners. She's an expert on this. So naturally, we had to bring Joanna onto Dewey Decibel to get to the bottom of fake news. Uh, fake news, it's, it's everywhere now. It's, you can't really escape fake news. I think uh, we... I think it's safe to say that we can blame our current um, presidential administration on this. Um, it's everywhere. Why? I guess that's the big question is why um, are we being inundated with fake news, I think, now more than ever? What has uh, led us to this place? Well, fake news has been around probably forever. Um, mm. It seems like it has always been uh, used by human beings to make to mislead, to misinform, to um, direct people in some pathway that um, is useful to the person who's supplying the fake news. The reason that it's so prevalent right now, I think you put your finger on it, it's because during the uh, presidential campaign in 2016, um, the the term fake news was used over and over again by Donald Trump. And he uh, mentioned it to call into question any information that he didn't agree with. He just um, purported that it was fake news and not true. So even though it's been around for a long time, um, I think his denial of facts by saying they were fake news is what really has brought it to the forefront recently. Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting distinction because, like, as, you, as you mentioned, um, yeah, instances of fake news, I mean, you can see the ancient Egyptians and Romans using it. Uh, I know you're doing your talk um, at our annual conference, you, you talked about uh, Orson Welles' um, War of the Worlds and the Dewey v. Truman headlines. Um, but uh, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is there, there's, those are often intentionally false stories, whereas with, with, with Trump, uh, like, like you mentioned, if uh, he's, um, he's, he's taking something that, that might be true and just calling it fake news, so there seems to be a big difference now between something intentionally false and something that someone says to be false uh, based on or you know, to help them. It's an interesting contradiction there. Well, it's it's complex, but it yeah. ties social media and our own human psychology together in kind of a, a dangerous way. Um, people tend to believe the first thing that they hear about mm -hmm. anything, and um, the more often they hear it, the more strongly they believe it. So if you deny something often enough people begin to believe that that denial is correct. So uh, it's a strategy 
to, yeah. uh, in some cases, to um, encourage people to believe what the individual is saying rather than uh, checking out the facts themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, some of these um, instances, like you mentioned social media, we do have this, the rise of uh, people kind of living uh, we, we all, I, I think we can all agree that we, we all do it. We all kind of live in our own information bubbles. We tend to um, interact with people who think like us. So I think we're all kind of guilty of it a bit. But, they're, they're, but, but as such, living in those bubbles and interacting in those bubbles, we, we tend to forward and, and perpetuate these stories, um, many of them being fake. Um, now, where are these, all these fake news stories coming from? Well, that's one of the interesting parts of social media. Um, the concept of who pays for the Internet and the social media platforms and that sort of thing um, is important. It's mostly driven by advertisers, mm -hmm. and advertisers are out there to get their product in front of as many people as possible. So they target popular sites and um, encourage the, the, the owners of those sites to make them as popular as possible. Unfortunately, human beings are really drawn to um, sensational, gossipy, um, n not intellectual kinds of content. So um, advertisers will advertise on sites that are not based on the content of the site, but based on the popularity of the site. So people will go to a site or uh, respond to a site that's been posted to their social media news feed. Um, and the more they do that, the more popular it becomes and the more the advertisers then encourage the website maker to continue on. Mm -hmm. So uh, you add to that the fact that there are bots, there are uh, encoded pieces of software that kind of act like social media users. Um, they were originally created to do the background work in um, counting and collecting and the, the tedious computer work that um, computers can do faster than humans can do and on a grander scale. So automated bots do this collecting of stuff, but they can also be programmed to act like human users of social media. So they can forward sites to groups of people, and if those groups of people are like-minded, they will all like the same site. Um, bots can form networks so that uh, messages that are sent out are resent out by bots that uh, there are no human players involved. They just continue to flood social media with the same kinds of messages over and over again. Um, that makes the popularity of a given message increase, and that sets off things like uh, the Twitter storms and um, the trends that Twitter recognizes. And once something is trending, then human beings 
key into that. They feel it's important and they begin to pay attention to it. Even if it's something that they know is probably not true. Fascinating. Now, um, what responsibility do social media platforms have in, uh, to squelch this perpetuation of fake news? And, and what are uh, social media platforms doing to help to help fight this? Well, the platforms themselves are um, – they have built software that tries to recognize um, bots and bot networks, for example. Um, they look at things like the number of times an individual account shares something or the amount of time an individual account is used during the day. They target those things. Um, obviously, a human being can't send out a thousand uh, messages in a minute where a computerized mechanism can. Um, a human can't really stay up 24-7 working on the Internet, but a computer can. So they use those sorts of things to try and identify bots, and they shut down those accounts as they come across them. But it's kind of fighting a losing battle, I think. Every time there is a, a new bot account eliminated, there's another one that springs up somewhere else. Um, they are, because of the ease, the, it's easy to set up a social media account, so it's easy to mimic the the human part of that, and you can make up a name and an email address, and uh, you can be a bot rather than a human being. So uh, the the big social media platforms are looking toward to the uh, fact-checking sites that have become available, and they really are relying on those fact-checking sites like Snopes and PolitiFact to check the facts and to identify facts that are not true so that whether they come from human beings or bots, the, the content can be identified as true or false. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because there is there is the, the the technological side, you know, with with the bots and, and, and the spreading of of the um, the information um, automatically, like you said. But um, I think at the end of the day, it's the onus is really on the reader <laughs> of the news uh, for for kind of believing it. Um, how how can we prevent that? I guess specifically, how can librarians? What can libraries and libraries do, and what can we do as, as news consumers? to not fall victim to fake news and, and, and help prevent the spread of fake news? Well, as you say, it is really up to the individual. And I think the best things that librarians can do is to help teach individuals what to look for and how to uh, use their social media and Internet accounts to their best benefit. Um, we need to uh, both be skeptical of things that we read and hear, especially on social media, and we need to teach that skepticism to our students. Um, my grandmother used to say, you can't believe everything you read in the newspaper, and that translates into today's technology as well. You, just because it's given, it shows up in your social media uh, news feed doesn't mean it's true. 
Yeah. So we have to uh, teach people to step back and think about what the content is. Um, I think there there's kind of an amazing statistic about how many um, messages get shared without the person who is sharing them ever having read the content of the message. Mm. And so I think that's another important place where we can help ourselves stop the spread of fake news is before we share anything with our friends and followers, we open it up and take a look at it and consider what it is that's in the content. Um, I think we need to do a better job of checking author credentials and teaching students to do the same. Um, It's not always easy with um, Internet sites and social media and Twitter and that kind of thing, but it's always important to know who is providing the information and where it's coming from. So I think we need to work that in as a step in every time we – interact with our social media. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of fact-checking sites out there, and it's always a good idea if you come across something that sounds odd or uh, in, impossible or not very likely, uh, it's a good idea to use those fact-checking sites to um, find out whether something is true or not. And if you get a report back that something is not true, it's good to not spread it around and perhaps even put out a message that it is, in fact, fake news. Um, It's always a good idea to consult more than one source, and I think we need to remind people to do that. Absolutely. Um, It's amazing what different sources will say differently about the same thing. So it's important to get both sides of a story. It's important to get different perspectives. And I think that helps to identify things that are maybe not true or have been spun to some extent to make the message different than what the information might tell us. Um, I think we need to be aware of how technology can be used to manipulate information. And we need to be aware of our psychological makeup so that we understand how our our brains might be working against us when we're trying to eliminate fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, the, uh, was it the, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect? Um, exactly. You, you talked a bit about that in your talk, but it was, we're, we're, most, we're, more, we're most likely to be overconfident, uh, overconfident about things that we, we don't know anything about. Um, I thought right. that was fascinating. It's true, I guess. Uh, there have been a number of follow-up studies since that first study was done, and people are overconfident in how much they know about uh, subjects in which they have very little background. Mm. And just the act of uh, looking up something on the Internet makes people more confident about what they know, not only about that subject, but about every subject. So it's kind of a snowball thing that makes us um, more sure of what we know. And it's not usually the case that we do know more than we think. Um, I think we need to be aware of our own biases. And we need to uh, jump out of those filter bubbles that we get into. Uh, The social media in particular feeds us information 
that agrees with what we already believe, what we already know, mm-hmm. because it only gives us information about what we already like and people who like the same things. So we need to jump out of that bubble and think about what might be the other side of the story, uh, what other approaches there might be to the information, and uh, just take a step back. I think we need to slow down. Um, I was watching my daughter try to use a, a banking app the other day, and she was just not patient enough to let it load up so that she could move from step to step. And I did have to tell her to slow down. I think that's important. We get caught up in how fast things can be done. We forget that we need to uh, think about each step along the way in order to be successful of what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, one of the, I think one of the most important things that you just said is that jump, we need to jump out of our own bubble and slow down. I think once <laughs> if we, we pay attention to what we're doing, um, it'll, it'll, it'll nip the fake news right in the bud. And I think that's uh, another thing is um, something you, you had mentioned in your talk is I think it's very important is just fighting back with real news. <laughs> if you, Absolutely. If you, if you see something being perpetuated, it's there's often a, an easy rebuttal out there. If you do, like you said, slow down and and um, and, and just look for it. Um, yeah, it's 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 not it's not a losing battle, even though I think many people right now think it might be. Well, it's we're our, we are our own worst enemy. If we do things to help ourselves, then we can be our own best friend. But we have to take the steps necessary to combat that fake news um, by paying attention to what might be real and what could be real or what could be fake. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Joanna, I think this is all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you so much. We've been here with uh, Joanna Burkhart. Again, she's professor and director of the University of Rhode Island li- uh, Branch Libraries and the author of Teaching Information Literacy Refrain, 50-plus framework-based exercises for creating information literate learners. It's a great book. I encourage all of our listeners to pick it up. Joanna, thank you so much. Thank you. Looking for books and resources about fake news? ALA has you covered. Catch the ALA store and grab a copy of Fake News and Alternative Facts, Information Literacy in a Post-Truth Era by Nicole A. Cook and published by ALA Editions. In this book, readers will learn about the rise of fake news, discover techniques, techniques to identify it, and explore methods to help patrons think critically about information. Also at the web store, you can find factor fiction posters and bookmarks for your library, and they are full of tips on how to protect yourself from fake news. Find it all and much more at alastore.ala.org. We talked about the psychology behind the rise of fake news in our first segment with Joanna Burghardt, about how our brains are hardwired to believe the first instance of hearing or reading something, whether it's true or not. But we're in the library world, all of us. We can subvert that, right? Uh, of Of all people, we can discern between the truth and lies. Or can we? Dewey Decibel Senior Game Show Correspondent Tara Dinkowski went to the 2017 ALA Annual Conference in Chicago to test that hypothesis. When presented with a mix of fake and real news headlines, can librarians spot the truth? And if they do, can they win a limited edition, really truly smart looking Dewey Decibel button? Let's find out. So, um, 
the way the game works, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, uh, Stump the Listener. So yeah. it's I'm going to read you three headlines, okay. and you just have to pick out the real one. Um, so could you just uh, introduce yourself, tell us where you work? Okay. Hi, I'm Matt Bender. I'm a reference librarian at the Wheaton Public Library in Illinois. Perfect. Local. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so... All right, here are your three headlines. Okay. Uh, one is real and two are fake. Okay. So, uh, Whoopi Goldberg arrested for running a puppy mill. Okay. Burglar breaks into preschool, eats a snack, takes a nap. Okay. That's B. And C, ship lost in Bermuda Triangle 90 years ago, sails into Cuban Harbor. Uh, pick the real headline. I'm going to go with option B. Burglar breaks into preschool, eats a snack, takes a nap. Yes. That is correct. Good. I was hoping that was awesome. true. Awesome. <laughs> okay. And you know what? You win a Dewey Decimal button. Yay! Um, Terry, can you tell me uh, what you do and where you work? Yeah, I am the head of the main library in downtown Little Rock. Awesome. And uh, has fake news come up at your branch? Yes, it yeah. has. In fact, we had a program for adults to attend in which they can learn how to um, evaluate news and determine whether or not it is accurate. That is so good to hear. How uh, Was it well attended? It was, uh, yeah, yes. Good feedback? We did. We got a lot of feedback and a, a lot of people interested in knowing that, yes, there are ways to check in to, to see whether or not our information is true and accurate and um, not to fall for um, anything that kind of reel you in. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so are you ready to play? What I'm going to do is I'm going to read you three headlines. One is real, two are fake, and I need you to pick the real headline. Okay. All right, perfect. Okay, so A, DNA tests prove retired postman has over 1,300 illegitimate children. B, alarm clock stuck in living room wall goes off every single day for 13 years. Or C, photo of Elizabeth Warren at nude pagan ritual is breaking the internet. I'm going to go with B. B is absolutely correct. Yes. You would have gotten this button anyway, but are you relieved? I am. It's kind of hard to I do without... I feel a little bit more competent about myself, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to do without the story. Or, or the fake news story, That's, you know what I'm saying? True. Yeah. Um, I won't say the others did not get my attention because they really did. That first one was really pulling at me. I would have probably clicked on it just to read about it. I, you know, and that's what I totally did. I was like, thirteen hundred <laughs> seems steep. Yeah, maybe, maybe two hundred. What, what, what is this guy doing? <laughs> um, no, yeah. What, why did you pick B? Why did you end up on that one? It's it seemed more realistic. Okay. I could see that happening. Like unusual, but yeah. not totally far-fetched. Not, not far-fetched, okay. exactly. Uh, hey Mark, can you tell me uh, what you do and where you work? Sure. Uh, I am an Authorities and Catalog Management Library Associate, and I work for Florida State University located in Tallahassee, Florida. Excellent. And um, so fake news, uh, this is a huge problem uh, among everyone in America right now, uh, and, yeah. and, you know, librarians are taking measures to promote information uh, literacy. Is fake news a big problem, you know, with your population where you work? Um, it's definitely something that's come up, um, more just in casual conversations, you know, kind of those hallway chats that kind of happen. Um, it's not something you see terribly mentioned a lot as far as my particular department. I mean, you know, we're just a bunch of catalogers. So so uh, dealing with the public is not much, something that we do too much, but it is something that I hear more on the public side. And just kind of in everyday personal life, it's something you see everywhere, social media, everything. Memes that yeah, your uncle exactly. shares. Yeah, exactly. 
everybody shares something and it's it's always a little grating whenever you read it's like you need to check your sources (laughs) (laughs) but you know that's that's been librarians forever you need to check your sources yeah it's it's the librarian and us just Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so you ready to play this game? I am. Alright, I'm going to give you three headlines. Okay. Uh, one is real, two are fake. Okay. I need you to tell me what the real headline is. Alright. And you're just going by the headlines, you don't have the, the fake stories associated true, with it. True. So, All right. Godspeed. Here we go. Okay. A. Baron Trump accepted into Harvard and Yale. B. Fisherman captures 3,000 pound great white shark in Great Lakes. Or C. Texas woman calls 911 to complain about weight for McDonald's nuggets. Oh, goodness. Okay. They all are a little ridiculous. Um, That is a fact. (laughs) That is a fact. I'm going to say, let's see. A seems fake. So I'm going to say C, as ridiculous as it sounds, uh, coming from Florida, it's something that actually might happen (laughs) there. Uh, So I say C is the real headline. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> and it's so funny you say that coming from Florida, because we do have a few Florida mans in here that are also correct. Florida man is infamous. All right, Tara, can you tell me uh, what you do and where you work? Okay, I'm, my name is Tara Kenjockany. I am at the uh, University of Notre Dame Hesburgh Libraries in South Bend, Indiana. I am in the chemistry physics department. Oh, wow. Yeah. Science librarian. Science librarian. <laughs> um, okay, so, you know, fake news is a huge problem uh, right now. Um, people are, you know, uh, spreading uh, false stories. They're not getting substantiated sources. Um, I'm, I want to play a trivia game with you, uh, going just by the headlines. Um, there's one real headline, two fake headlines. I want you to pick the real headline. So here we go. Uh, a, lucky couple gets back nearly $100,000 they accidentally donated to Goodwill. B, Missouri babysitter on crystal meth eats toddler. Or C, Pope Francis caught on security camera stealing food placed out for homeless. And I'm picking out the real one? Yes, you are. I am going to say A. Lucky couple gets back nearly 100,000 they accidentally donated to Goodwill. That is absolutely correct. Yes. (laughs) What, uh, What clued you in? What tipped you up? I almost feel like I saw this somewhere too. It's <laughs> just weird. You think uh, you think if Pope Francis was uh, stealing, you'd hear about it at Notre Dame? I feel like maybe I would have heard that one. Yeah, <laughs> we're kind of in the loop. <laughs> uh, can you tell me what your name is and where you work? Emily Lowell, San Jose Public Library. Okay, and what's your name? Christina Appleberry, San Jose Public. I have a Jolly Rancher in my mouth. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You can still play the game. That doesn't disqualify you. Okay. <laughs> so Emily. Here are the headlines. Uh, A, Germans build four-mile underground pipeline for beer. B, Taco Bell announcing bankruptcy, all stores closing. Or C, tornado carries mobile home 130 miles, family inside unharmed. So I give you the the correct? Yes. I'm going to say A. That is absolutely correct. (laughs) And, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to do this just based on the headline, you know, but, you know, we see people just reading the headline and sharing information online. Um, what what kind of clued you into this? I believe I heard that on NPR, so like the story. Yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome. So your news literacy, perfect. <laughs> oh my God, now I'm gonna look dumb because I'm not gonna get the <laughs> That's not true! <laughs> okay, here are your questions. Oh boy. Um, a, Whoopi Goldberg arrested for running a puppy mill. 
B. Burglar breaks into preschool, eats a snack, takes a nap. Or C. Ship lost in Bermuda. Uh, ship lost in Bermuda Triangle, 90 years ago, sails into Cuban Harbor. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. My guess is B. You are also absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what uh, informed your instincts there? Well. <laughs> I don't believe that Whoopi Goldberg has been arrested for running a puppy mill, and uh, the Bermuda Triangle thing that just sounds like science fiction. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys have a, a lot of requests at San Jose? Uh, people coming in asking you about uh, headlines that aren't true, or do you deal with fake news on a daily basis? I do with teens. I haven't so much. Okay. But I know it's like a big, important thing. And, um, you know, info, information literacy and news literacy things are really big in libraries. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Can you tell me uh, where you work and where you're coming from today? I work at the Orlando Public Library in Orlando, Florida. Uh, were you at annual last year? Yes, I was. Awesome. <laughs> okay, well, you know, fake news is an issue lots of librarians are dealing with. I'm sure as a reference clerk, you know, you get a lot of people with maybe some unsubstantiated information uh, coming to you. Um, so what we're doing is we're just quizzing people on headlines. There's uh, two fake headlines here, one real headline. And so what I need you to do is pick the real headline for us. Um, so your headlines are A, ISIS claims responsibility for playground fight at New York City Elementary School. B, Florida man steals sausage, jumps off bridge to avoid arrest. Or C, NASA confirms there will be 15 days of darkness in November. I'm from Florida. So I'm going to go ahead and say B, because I'm used to those headlines. <laughs> Don't bet against Florida, man. <laughs> or Florida woman, for that matter. Exactly. <laughs> All right, full disclosure, I know Erin Sanders. She used to live in Chicago. Erin, uh, uh, where do you work now? Right now I work at the Oakland Public Library at the Golden Gate Branch. Do you enjoy it? I love it. Oakland Public Library is awesome. Fantastic. I'm so glad you can play this game with us today. Me too. Um, so there is one real headline and two fake headlines, mm -hmm. and I need you to pick the real headline. Okay. Um, so A, DNA test, tests prove retired postman has over 1,300 Ill illegitimate children. <laughs> B, alarm clock stuck inside living room wall goes off every single day for 13 years. Or C, photo of Elizabeth Warren at nude pagan ritual is breaking the internet. <laughs> Which is the real headline? Oh boy. The real one. I'm gonna say the alarm clock is real. That is absolutely correct. All right. Uh, so what gave it away that it wasn't Elizabeth Warren's nude pagan ritual? Well, that was tricky because I could totally see that title, the headline, being viral, but I don't believe there really is a real photo of Elizabeth Warren, so it's a tough one. And then the thing with the 1,300 illegitimate children—that's just too easy to make that up. I don't know. Yeah. It's too lurid. It seems like too many children. Yeah. Like, even for a pet. Like 200, maybe? Like, let's not get carried away. Right, exactly. Yeah. Can you tell me your name and where you work? Uh, my name is Dylan Holmes. I work at the Sacramento Public Library. Awesome. And do you work with, uh, what population do you work with? Uh, I'm an adult services librarian. Okay. So, but I work with a, a large urban population who comes into our library. Okay. Yeah. So, does fake news come up? Any? Yeah, yeah. We do a number of, of uh, research inquiries for yes. people, and sometimes. Yeah, uh, their their sources where they're getting this are maybe a little odd. You know, we're trying not to release access, but at the same time, we're trying to 
get them the best information we can. I got you. Always, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what we have here today, mm -hmm. uh, there's one real headline and there's two fake headlines. Okay. I just need you to pick the real headline out of the bunch and I'll read them. So, uh, A, lucky couple gets back nearly $100,000 they accidentally donated to Goodwill. Mm -hmm. B, Missouri babysitter on crystal meth eats toddler. Mm -hmm. Or C, Pope Francis caught on security camera stealing food placed out for the homeless. So, which is the real headline? The real headline is the first one. But you, to be fair, I had already read it before. Oh, but you are absolutely yeah. correct. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, what? What? But but if I had not done that, um, eating toddlers is just not a thing that tends to happen very often. Um, you know, it is. Okay. Well, my my fellow librarian disagrees with me. Um, and and some of this, it's always sort of you know the idea of um, I had not heard of either of these. And so there's a certain thing like for the Pope Francis thing. There's certain things where if it becomes true. It ends up on the front page of the New York Times it's somewhere, true. you know. So yeah. one of them is that when you have big stories that are hidden away in little corners of the internet, that's that's a red flag I try to bring up with Hayden. Fantastic. Great logic. You heard from Joanna Burkhart, professor and head librarian at the University of Rhode Island Branch Libraries in our first segment. And now here's your chance to learn even more from her. In Teaching Information Literacy Reframed, 50-plus framework-based exercises for creating information literate learners, Joanna breaks down ACRL's Framework for Information Literacy for Higher Education. Uh, the framework, it's, it's a new way of looking at information literacy, and Joanna helps you understand it by deconstructing its concepts into straightforward language while offering more than 50 classroom-ready framework-based exercises. Uh, she really offers a solid starting point for understanding and teaching the threshold concepts in the framework and offers guidance to help instructors create their own local information literacy programs. Uh, you can find Teaching Information Literacy Reframed, 50-plus framework-based exercises for creating information literate learners at the ALA Store. That's at alastore.ala.org. We've spent a lot of time this episode looking at fake news as a negative as a deceptive practice and how to read it, spot it, and not fall victim to it. But what about the other side of fake news? Fake news created for humor and satire. The Onion is probably one of the best known practitioners of this kind of fake news in the world. Their headlines and stories, they're absolutely ridiculous, but they're also very smart. And like the best satire, there are truths about the human experience buried in The Onion's absurdity. Marnie Shore is The Onion's managing editor. She joined me here recently at Dewey Decibel headquarters to talk about how The Onion works, the role of humor in the news, and how our current, often bonkers political world affects their stories. And fair warning people, adult language was used in this interview. Hey, we're here with Marnie Shore. Um, she's managing editor at The Onion. Marnie, thanks for joining us at the Dewey Decibel podcast. Thank you for having me. Hello. And... Um, as, as I mentioned to you before, this episode is about fake news, and uh, we've been talking with librarians about fake news and uh, its, you know, its prevalency and how the library profession can, uh, can help squelch it. And <laughs> but um, The Onion takes a different look at fake news and the fact that you create fake news <laughs> purposely. How do you determine your content? What does, how does an idea go from pitch to final story? Because just, just like this morning, I'm looking at your headlines, and um, this is uh, one day after you know President Trump has supposedly banned all transgender people from the army, and immediately you have Pentagon announces plan to cover cost of hormone treatment for service members 
doubling down on biological sex. <laughs> so you've turned around a story within hours. How does that happen? What is the creation process like? The creation process is sort of, uh, it has two tracks, uh, one to comment on everyday phenomena and then one to comment directly on real news stories. So obviously with something like that, responding to a tweet by the president about the um, ban on transgender individuals in the military, um, that had to be dealt with very quickly. Mm -hmm. So we have targeted brainstorming um, on the part of the entire staff and we whittle down different ideas, different ways to approach this truly uh, ridiculous, these news events that, that come at us very quickly. Um, and then we we have um, we meet up. It's very collaborative. So everybody comes to the table with their ideas on this one news story, and then um, ideas that generate interest get sort of a vote system. And then from there, there's a short list. We discuss that, and then come away with what we feel could be a good definitive take on the issue. Sometimes we come away with multiple takes on the issue. Uh, for instance, yesterday we also did a story about how the, AC the ACLU is uh, hard as a fucking rock right now. <laughs> and um, so that just coming at the issue from multiple angles. Uh, obviously we have the Trump take itself and then the response to uh, the Trump announcement is important to hit as well because we all live in this country and it's not um, it's not a monarchy and, and so people so the decisions that come out of that White House are often the result of many factors and we want to make sure to comment on all of those. Now um, this is something that I just always it's been on my mind lately and so many other people has what is it like creating comedic content in a world where the real news is just as ridiculous often as what you, you see in the, in the onion. For sure. Um, it's energized our mission a little <laughs> bit, I think, uh, since the election. This is not the year of coverage we would have expected. Mm -hmm. um, but in a way, it gives us so much more to tackle and, and so much more um, opportunity for introspection as well. Because this, this is the country we live in right now and we have to navigate the, the essential truths of what that means. Um, so when people use this term fake news, there's sort of two ways of looking at it. Fake news in the way that it's talked about most is more of that deliberate attempt to mislead. Mm -hmm. Uh, what we do is instead we, we want people to know off the bat that this is fake. We're not intending people to take our stories as absolute fact or as, as real events. Um, it's too much work to put into the product for people to just think that it's real news. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we sort of craft a satire to comment on the world and like reveal truths through that, that joking process. So um, that's, that's kind of how we approach it. We want to create stories about this administration that sort of reveal a greater truth while not themselves being true. Um. Is your job easier or harder now with, with Trump as president? It's a little bit of both. <laughs> um, it's hard because um, you don't want to make the joke that everyone else is making. Mm -hmm. On Twitter or on other news outlets, everyone's a comedian. Um, and you want to make sure that you're not just recycling the same ideas that are hitting the news cycle uh, about the current political landscape. So in a way, it's harder. Um, because 
you want to make sure that you are revealing something new or that you can be a source for people who want to gain perspective about these issues. Uh, on the other hand, it's, it's certainly easier in terms of volume. Um, there's just more happening every day and more sort of piling up to comment on. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have to kind of leave your politics at the door as an Onion writer? I mean, I'm sure there, I mean, there's definitely left-leaning almost perspective when it comes to certain articles about Trump, but then again, you, you, a union skewers everybody. Right. So do you, how, how does that, how does, how do personal politics play in as, as, a, as an union staffer? I think it's, it plays in less than um, the reading public might think, because our job is to, yeah, skewer everyone. Um, we've done plenty of coverage on, um, obviously, uh, Biden or Obama and Hillary last year, the, the mm -hmm. Clinton campaign. Um, it's always fertile ground for satire. And because we are so collaborative in our efforts to develop stories, um, no one person's politics is going to influence the final product. And we have to make sure that this is uh, sort of a universal truth and that it's not just reinforcing um, partisan politics. So while we all have, you know, certain places where we stand on certain issues, hopefully that is not the driving force behind each article, that there's something more universal there. Mm -hmm. um, one thing you, you'd mentioned that I think is fascinating that, um, and I think it's for many people reading The Onion, we know that it is deliberate fake news. But there's often times where people <laughs> fall victim to uh, the, the scam, I guess, yeah. putting it really broadly. I mean, you have, was it China being convinced that Kim Jong-un was the sexiest man alive? And, <laughs> right. Um, you know, all these stories like that. How do you, internally, what's the response to when you, when you dupe people? Um, well, something extreme like the, yeah, we, we wrote a story, um, The Onion names Kim Jong-un the sexiest man alive for 2012. And China thought it was real and ran, I think, a 53-page slideshow of images of Kim Jong-un uh, apparently looking very sexy, <laughs> riding a horse and everything. That is undeniably pretty funny. Um, just, I think it's more likely to happen when you things get lost in translation as well. Um, but there are other times when, you know, we, we sort of see that things have been taken as fact and it's like, well... Ideally, they would have seen the uh, the joke we were crafting, the craftsmanship behind what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of depends on the situation, but uh, generally, what we want is for people to say, "Oh, that was a great joke that they made," and not, "Oh my God, did uh, did George Zimmerman really win the Florida State Lottery, or did the WWE really just have to shoot a wrestler after a child wandered into the cage?" <laughs> you know, those aren't those aren't questions that we want. We want people to appreciate the joke for what we meant it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, it's one thing you had mentioned, one thing that we're reinforcing here on this episode is, is media literacy and learning how to read the news. Yeah. So we're hoping that everyone... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably set there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marnie, thanks so much for joining us on the Dewey Decimal Podcast today. Thank you for having me. That was uh, Marnie Shore from the, uh, the Onion, Managing Editor of The Onion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
That wraps another episode of the Dewey Decimal Podcast. Thanks again to Joanna Burkhart, Marty Shore, and all the librarians to join Tara at our fake news game at ALA Annual Conference in uh, Chicago this past June. I hope you all enjoy your Dewey Decimal Buttons. Tune in next month as we look at race and diversity in America. We have an interview with Stephanie Powell Watts. She's the author of No One Is Coming to Save Us. And we talk with many other people, so please join us. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Stop by, tell us how we're doing, and what you'd like to hear from us. Uh, your, 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 your views and opinions are important, so please, get in touch. iTunes users, please give us a review if you can. Your words and ratings, they help us in the rankings and allow us to reach more listeners. Uh, if you have any questions, you can shoot me an email at deweydecibel.ala.org. I promise I'll get back to you. Uh, until next month, I'm Phil Moorhart. Associate Editor of American Libraries Magazine, and this is the Dewey Decimal Podcast. Mm-hmm.